story is about my first trip to Whittier. <laughs> 1975, I'm brand new in Alaska, and I'm poor. So when my landlord offers me and my friend Kevin a hundred bucks each to go down to Whittier and bring his furniture from his condo back to Anchorage, we took the offer. So it's a Sunday morning, and we're driving down to Whittier, or to Portage, in a rented flatbed truck. That's the kind of truck that has a platform behind the cab and nothing else. And in those days, you couldn't drive your truck or car through the tunnel. You had to put it on the Alaska Railroad car, and they would pull you through. And also in those days, it only ran on Saturdays and Sundays. It would go in on in the morning to Whittier and come back at promptly at 5 o'clock. And this was a Sunday. We had to do the job in one day. It was getting to be winter. And on the Porter side, it was kind of gray and cool. But when we got through the other side to Whittier, you probably heard about Whittier weather. It was raining. It was snowing. It was sleeting. And it was going all sideways all at the same time. This lousy, uh, typical Whittier weather. Well, we hightailed it over to the condo. Oh, if you're thinking condo in Whittier, what is it? What's he talking about? Well, you've probably all seen that big tall building in Whittier, the 11-story concrete thing. Well, that's the condo. It used to be an army barracks, but after the war, uh, they sold it off as condos. And now, then, all 140 people of Whittier lived in that one building. These are 140 people who live over there to be away from humanity, but somehow they all <laughs> live together in the same building. <laughs> Couldn't quite figure this out. Well, we went to work. Uh, his condo was up on the seventh floor, and you could only get up and down via a really slow, small elevator, and the, and the place was packed with furniture, a lot of it antiques, including one beautiful antique, a red velvet love seat, just gorgeous. Well, we start taking the stuff down the elevator. It's going really slow. It's taking too long. Three o'clock comes along, and we're just barely halfway done. We picked up the pace. We moved as fast as we could, stuff more in the, in the elevator. At five minutes to five, we finally get the last piece of furniture onto the truck, and it's the red velvet love seat. We cover the whole thing with a blue tarp, tie it down, and we just make a beeline for the, for the train depot. And we're, I'm just driving like a madman. It's, it's, wind, it's rainy, and the windshield uppers are going back and forth. I'm driving through slush puddles and everything. And I can see the train up ahead, and it's already loaded, ready to move out. What I didn't see was the pothole. The deepest, biggest, slushiest filled pothole I've ever hit, truck-sized pothole, the truck dove in to the pothole. <laughs> and as the back end came catapulting out, I looked in the rearview mirror, and I could see tables and chairs ripping through the blue tarp. And there, high above them all, <laughs> was the red velvet love seat. I could see it in slow motion, end over end off the truck, into the pothole. Kersploosh. We missed the train. <laughs> we reloaded the wet, broken furniture on the truck, went back to the condo, and slept upstairs on the floor. The next morning, the weather had changed, it had gotten colder, and all that rain from the night before had frozen on the trees and the wires and telephones. 
and the sun had come out. So it was just sparkling. It was just gorgeous, truly magical. And so we said, well, we're here till Saturday, the next Saturday, let's go out and explore. Well, we did, uh, but there's not that much to explore in Whittier, if you've been there. There's the abandoned Buckner building, there's the harbor, there's a small cafe, and two bars. Well, by early afternoon, we'd done all there was to do in Whittier. And uh, we had become the talk of the town. News spreads fast when you all live in one building. You know, it's an interesting place. There are people who are a little strange in Whittier. When that last train pulls out on Sunday and all the regular folks go back to Anchorage, the Whittier people let their weirdness fly. <laughs> it reminds me of one of my favorite movies called King of Hearts. It takes place in World War II in a French town and the uh, wardens of an insane asylum have fled the advancing Germans leaving the inmates in charge of the asylum. <laughs> well, it's Wednesday morning, we're bored, and the phone rings in the, in the condo, and it's a guy from the Alaska Rural says, hey, I'm Jim, I'm the engineer here stationed in Whittier, and uh, I'll bet you guys are real bored and wishing it was Saturday. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put a train together just for you and take you out of here. Wow, that's amazing. He said, meet me 15 minutes at the depot. So we took the truck down the depot, and sure enough, there's our train, one engine, one flat car, the engine's gonna pull us backwards through the tunnel, and the flat car, about 80 feet long, has two tall steel walls on either end with ladders going up the sides. Well, we drive on, and the first thing we notice, it's glare ice, just glare ice, and we just nose the truck into place, and Jim, the engineer, starts pulling us through the tunnel, and as we go through the tunnel, he can't see us, we can't see him. We can see all the sharp rocks on the walls and the ceiling, but we're going through the tunnel and thinking, man, this is great, we're high-fiving. Where else could this happen but in Alaska? The train's picking up speed, and it's rocking and rocking and rocking and rocking. And as it starts to rock, we start to notice it's starting to move. The truck is sliding, sliding to the left. I'm in the driver's seat. I'm going to hit the wall. And we realize, you know, we're not going to make it through the tunnel. It's gonna slide off, we're gonna hit that sharp wall of rocks. The it's gonna drag the uh, truck to a stop. The back of the train's gonna hit us, smash us like a beer can. All that furniture's gonna be candlesticks and we're gonna be history. This is for real. So I'm flashing the, the lights, honking the horn, but Jim can't see us or hear us, of course. And I can't get out my side because I'm about a foot from the wall at that point. So my friend Kevin did a very brave thing. He jumped out his, his truck door and he made, was heading for that, uh, that ladder to try and get up on top of that wall there and warn the engineer. But as soon as he hit the, the flat part, his legs went out from it and he just, he couldn't move. He just couldn't go, he could get no traction. He, so what did he do? He did something I've never seen before. He did a perfect impersonation of a halibut flopping in the bottom, bottom of your boat. And he flopped, 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 flopped all the way to that ladder, climbed the ladder, He's ducking the rocks at the top. He's staring right into the headlight of the train, looking at Jim in the, in the, in the cockpit there and says, screams, stop the train. Jim hits the brakes. Me and the truck, we go sailing forward, <laughs> smashed into the, the front wall, clang just beneath Kevin's legs. The whole thing came to a stop, and when it stopped, the wheels of the truck were halfway off the train. We crept out of that tunnel at a snail's pace. 
When we got to the other side, we, we thanked Jim for his great adventure for us. <laughs> and the story comes to an end back in Anchorage, where we delivered the pieces of furniture. <laughs> My landlord was not very happy, but we didn't ask for our $100. <laughs> See, we, we were just failures as furniture movers, but that first trip to Whittier, man, that was epic.